stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout and shout again. This is Shot and Shield. Listening in Helsinki, Finland, Osaka, Japan, and Port Orchard, Washington State. This is the Shot and Shield Supercast, a podcast dedicated to 19th century wargaming and history, a program meant to be heard while you are painting your miniatures and building your terrain. I am your host, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida. And in this episode, I will be speaking with friend of the podcast and co-author of Blood and Steel, Victorian Age Combat, 1837 to 1901, Edgar Pabon. He has a couple of cool announcements for you. Also in this episode, I'll review the 1969 classic starring John Wayne and Rock Hudson, The Undefeated. I'll be presenting a special Rudyard Kipling adaption of his story entitled The Phantom Rickshaw featuring Ronald Coleman later in my audio archaeological discovery segment. I have a treat for you as well. The return of Scenario Builder with a scenario called Hunting and Being Hunted. Not to be outdone, I was asked in an email to talk about gaming Cossacks, which I will endeavor to do. But first, let's hit those emails. Germany calling, London calling, Moscow calling, Washington DC calling, Peking calling, Sydney calling. Message for you, sir. It's time to answer some emails from all around the world. You too can email me at shotandshield at gmail.com. If you have a question, a retort, a critique, or if you want to make a suggestion, please email me and I will either answer you directly or I'll share it on the show. First email is from Anthony listening in Rome, Italy. And Anthony writes, Scott, I saw the pictures you posted of the yurts you made. Could you talk about how you made them in a step-by-step fashion? and why you didn't just buy them. Don't get me wrong, you did a good job, but wouldn't it have been easier to buy them? Anthony, it probably would have been easier to buy them. So I had these, I've been needing yurts for my Central Asia project, right? Because who doesn't, if you're going to do Central Asia, you got to have some yurts, right? So I look online to see if I can, you know, purchase some some yurts. Uh, they're sort of like, a, they're, they're sort of like a Mongolian house. It's kind of like a tent thing. And uh, I just could not find ones that I really liked. I Not that uh, there aren't some really good, good ones out there, but if you're going to pay 45 bucks for one yurt, that's a lot of money. As far as why I uh, didn't just buy them, not just because of the money, but I... So look, my whole life, my whole life from when I was a little, little, little kid, the family really didn't have a lot of money to invest in in the hobby. So if I needed anything or I wanted anything, I had to I had to make it myself. My mom was extremely artistic. My dad was he he was a great woodworker, carpenter, um, and so their skill set. And so they passed that along to me. It's not like it's just a, sort of in the DNA. Let's say like that. If I could build something with cardboard or plastic or a knife and some rubber bands, I'm gonna do it. I, that's just me. I love to scratch build. It's it's one of the the best parts of the hobby to me. When I decided I wasn't going to purchase the yurt, I'm going to make the yurt, I start thinking of what I could do and what I could use to make a yurt or anything for that matter. If I'm at work and I see foam or I see cardboard or whatever, if I'm out and I see something really cheap or something laying around or I'm, I'm it, just anything at all, it's just, it's just ingrained in my head. So with these yurts, I was drinking an Arizona tea 
and I was looking at the top of the T where, you know, the the T comes out and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know what? That looks kind of like a yurt. (laughs) It sounds silly, but you you start thinking like that. Any on anything you're doing when you're a scratch builder, you you start to think like that. Anything you see, you think, you know what? I could probably turn that into this or I could turn that into this. It doesn't really matter. But so I'm drinking this Arizona tea, one of the bigger ones, you know, because I was thirsty. And I looked at the top of it. I said, man, that would make a great yurt right there. Has the right size that I need. Now what? Well, I'm going to have to cut off the top of it. I'm going to have to shave shave down the middle. And so busted out the, the Dremel and boom, there you go. Now, what am I going to cover it with? Well, you know, I could go to the store and, and pick up some felt, but it just doesn't, some of the felt isn't right. Some of it's too thick. Some of it's too thin. Some of it you can't paint on. And all of a sudden at work, I found this, uh, this material that came off of a, a busted up couch. And I was like, hmm, that would work. Sure enough, it did. And I had an old shoelace that I use as, you know, to wrap it around. Now I'm still not done with it, but it looks more like a yurt now than it did when I started. So anyway, so that's just the, that's my step-by-step. That's just it. And so anytime I see I, I need something, whenever I'm out, my mind is always like, oh, I could probably use that. I could probably use this. I could probably use this. And that's just how my mind thinks. So Anthony, I hope that answers your question. Uh, the next email is from Big Man Odd Job. <laughs> and I think he listens in Canada because he, he didn't give his name and his email address ends in CA. So I will refer to you as Big Man from Canada. So there we go. Uh, the question is, uh, Scott, why did you take down all the movies you had on your YouTube channel? And are you ever going to review any of the Sharp movies with Sean Bean? You say your podcast is 19th century, but I never hear you talk about Napoleonics. Don't get me wrong. I like your show. I'm just curious. Big Man from Canada. Okay, so look, uh, I... I took down, first off, there's a, there's a lot to unload here. One, let's talk Napoleonics. Napoleonics, you can jump in and do one whole podcast series on nothing but Napoleonics. So, you know what? I kind of leave that aside. Same with ACW, I kind of leave that aside. Same with World War I, I could leave that aside. Just the, the monster, these monster deals, I'm just kind of leaving aside and spending time on the vast tapestry of conflicts that the 19th century holds. Now, will I do some Napoleonics? Yes, I will. Have I done some ACW? Yes, I have. You know, so it's not like I'm going to ignore it. It's just, like I said, in the tapestry of the 19th century, there's a lot going on. And I just don't want to spend time on one or two items. As far as the sharp movies, I love, I love sharp. I love all the sharp movies. I do. Every single one of them are fantastic. Um, Sean Bean is excellent in them. I will say this. If I can, I'll try to, I'll try to, okay? I'll try to see if there's one that I can really dig into uh, that will help us uh, with the, um, with our wargaming from, from the Sharp uh, series, okay? How's that? I'll, I promise that. That I'll promise you. And uh, the other thing here is uh, why I take down the movies from the YouTube channel. I have this idea for the YouTube channel that I, that I have to flush out. But one of the things is I want the movies up there to be something that I've talked about on the show or something that's we're really going to get a lot out of. And right now, if you go on there, there's three movies that say Shot and Shield Presents. Those are either ones that I've reviewed or ones that uh, that I've had that really are going to help us in our wargaming. Okay, so there's but there's only a few up there now because I'm 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 working on them. 
I hope that answers your question. Big man from Canada. Thank you very much. Big man, odd job. And he listens in Canada. Very, very good. Uh, another email here from Mr. Farnsworth listening in Australia. Uh, Mr. Farnsworth writes, uh, I have not heard Claude Bailey on the last couple of shows. Did you and Claude have a falling out? Bring back Claude. Thank you. And sincerely, Mr. Farnsworth, Aussie land. <laughs> we love, we love Claude. We love our friend Claude uh, Bailey in Arizona. We love him. And so when I have a chance, I will uh, get him on again. Uh, so no, me and Claude are tight. We're tight. We're good. So no worries there. Uh, last email here from uh, Richard. He says uh, he's listening to Shot and Shield podcast on another planet. <laughs> okay. So there we go. We'll just go with that. Uh, so he writes, my Duke. I love the show, especially when you break down your segments on gaming. I just re-listened to your show about gaming, the Haitian revolution, and it was excellent. Thank you very much. I was wondering why you haven't broken down and gave us gaming Central Asia or gaming the great game or even a segment, uh, or even a segment of that like, okay, or even a segment of that like gaming the British East India Company or gaming Cossacks. I don't want anyone to know where I am, so I will tell you that I listen on a different planet. Okay. <laughs> Richard, very good. All right, so I am I'm really passionate about uh, gaming Central Asia, but I feel that if I focus too much on it, uh, I might push a lot of folks away from the program because the content might be, it might not seem as diverse enough as I think you deserve, all right? So, and I, I've been pretty open about this. Um, I will try, I, I am going to do, and this is the email that I talked about at the beginning of the program. This is the email that prompted me to, to decide, okay, I'm going to do Gaming Cossacks. That I'm going to do today. That's going to ha happen a little bit later in the show. And this is the email that prompted that. And uh, I will try to do my best to really, really dig in on this uh, subject, okay? So I hope that helps you, Richard. I hope that's what you're looking for. Um, and I hope it's interesting to all of you. But uh, like I said, I'll be doing that a little bit different. It's also, you know what, can I tell you? It's also good to know that you have uh, friends on a different planet. Excellent. So that, that's it for your emails and communications. Remember, you too can email me at shotshield at gmail.com. If you have any questions or retort or critique, maybe you want to make a suggestion, please email me and I'll try to answer you directly or then uh, I can't answer you directly. I'll share it on the show. And also be sure to tell me where you're listening uh, from, even if it's on a different planet. Uh, coming up, a short conversation with friend of the podcast, Edgar Pabon, next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. Good luck against those elephants. Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page, at Shot and Shield. Please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. This is Shot and Shield. It's going to hurt you a lot more than it will me, I'm happy to say. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. Discipline makes the strength of armies. Shot and Shield.
Thank you for continuing to listen to the Shot and Shield Supercast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Ghana, or your favorite podcast app. In this episode, I am joined by friend of the Supercast, Edgar Pabon, one of the masterminds behind Blood and Steel from Firelock Games. And today we're going to be talking about some exciting stuff happening in our neck of the woods that you might be interested in. Edgar, how you been? I am absolutely outstanding. Thank you, sir. Fantastic. Look, uh, before we get into some of the exciting stuff going on in our uh, in our region here, uh, how is Blood and Steel doing? Where you been? What you been doing? <laughs> Who you see? Well, we had a, a busy last year. You know, it, it came out uh, retail and in the early summer, I believe. I, I lose track. But we were able to go to a ton of conventions. We went to conventions in Virginia, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Texas. We went to Millennium Con in Texas. That was a great show. I was actually a little concerned. I didn't want it to be awesome because I didn't want to uh, miss it. And I right. had to figure out a way to get back to Austin, Texas from Jacksonville, Florida. But uh, it was an amazing con. I, we we met a ton of great people. Uh, and I'm going to have to find a way to to get there again next, this next year. So um, this year, so far, we've been to Siege of Augusta in Augusta, Georgia. That happens in MLK weekend in January. Uh, game went really well, too. A lot of people are getting in to it. Uh, we've had the opportunity to, at several conventions, our retailers have run out of copies of the book. Uh, and our publisher, Firelock Games, is going to be coming to a couple of these cons we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit. Uh, so we got lots to talk about. It'll be great. Uh, and what, what's coming up next? In that vein, we're working actively on a supplement. Our first supplement book is going to be on the Wars of German Unification. Damien and I have been working on that for the last several months. We've got units lists that we've been uh, playtesting. We have a little tweaking uh, to do. But it's meant to include Franco. I'm going backwards. The Franco-Prussian yeah. War, the Austro-Prussian War, and the Second Schleswig War, which was uh, Austria and Prussia against the Danes. Lots of really cool, interesting uh, history. It's going to be our major European war to cover during the Victorian Wars because it was the major European war period. Right. There'll be a little bit of Italians' war, uh, Italian wars. Um, oh, good, good. As well, Garibaldi will make uh, a showing a couple of times in in, in that book. So, so that's coming up, uh, and then after that, we're we have to make a decision whether we go with Asia or Africa, more than likely. And uh, what we'll try to do is cover the major conflicts in those continents, not specific to one country. So. If we go to Africa, we have to, of course, do the British in Africa or the French in Africa. Right. Um, if there are any significant conflicts with the Spanish or the Portuguese as well, maybe in Morocco or things like that, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's our plan of what to do um, after that. But that's uh, well ahead. Uh, yeah. Right now, we got to work on hopefully releasing the whatever that is going to be called uh, Wars of German Unification book in late 2023. You know, when I, uh, after the convention uh, we were at in uh, September of uh, last year, you know, I joined you and uh, Damien uh, to play. And then afterwards, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, you know what? I'm going to do it. You know, so I, I got the book and now I'm using it for, uh, you know, my Asia project. You know, I announced it on the program and I got, it was funny as I got, um, I got 50-50 feedback. I had uh, 50% of the people send me emails saying, you traitor, how dare you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, but other other 50 was like they were they were excited because uh because it's new because it's uh you know you've just come out with the these books in fact that you have a supplement coming out too is that's that's really good congratulations both you and uh damien for sure thank you now let's get to the matter at hand okay you got a couple of things coming up to so talk about it now that's that's all i'm gonna say i'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it like that no no lead in no nothing 
Well, uh, yeah, I alluded. Yeah, so we've got uh, a couple of conventions coming up. Uh, I'm uh, part of the leadership of both the Jacksonville Garrison and Historical Miniatures Gaming Society South. We call it HMGS South. So each of one of those organizations has a a convention coming up here pretty soon. Uh, The first one, March 3rd through the 5th, would be SkirmishCon in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, It's at a Holiday Inn Hotel um, on the eastern part of the town. SkirmishCon, let me see. The website is skirmishgamecon.com. Yes. The 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th of March. Yes. Skirmishgamescon.com. Yes. For you folks who are who are thinking about, you know, like this is in the Florida region, do you still have a chance to get your flight planned right now? You see what I'm saying? Because Absolutely. there's there, there's a lot of folks, and this is what this is what I was really happy about at um Huracan in September was seeing so many folks from other parts of the world, other parts of uh, the United States that were coming in for that. And that, that was, uh, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a slightly smaller convention. It's our first one. It's a reboot of a convention we have been doing in the past. It is a tabletop convention. So it's not just miniatures. It's not just historical. So we have uh, an RPG room, a board gaming room and a miniatures room. Uh, and people, some of our people play all of them or some of them. And some, some of our attendees, She's going to go play a role-playing game or a board game. He's going to go play his his historical miniatures game. So mm-hmm. uh, that works out great for everybody. Uh, so for some couples. And then they get back together and play some kind of board game or something afterwards. Yeah, that's coming up. What was that website one more time? SkirmishGameCon.com. First time uh, for this particular gaming convention. We're very excited to bring it. We're starting kind of small as a bit of a grassroots effort, Uh, but but we've got people coming from Georgia, from uh, Louisiana, from uh, all parts of Florida. So um, I'm excited about it. And you you got a a celebrity is going to be there. Absolutely. So some, some, I don't know, aristocratic person, uh, I think will be there as well. So um, I think he's hosting a game, but I'm not sure, you know, I don't know exactly, but uh, I know you're going to keep that under wraps. (laughs) It's me. I'm gonna be there at least a gotta, day, maybe two. We gotta get that game registered so we can put it in the pal and everybody can see it as well. So we'll work on that. Uh, the other announcement is for the next convention. Yes, the so big, the uh, big one. HMGS South uh, has two conventions a year. Huracan's the one you attended uh, last uh, September, mm-hmm. and this next one is called Recon. And it is the last full weekend of April. It is in Kissimmee, Florida, which is just south of Orlando. For those of you who are not familiar with Central Florida, it is in a touristy area. And a lot of our folks that come to that convention come with their families. They spend some time with families being a tourist. And then they spend some time at the convention playing there with the, with the little men, historical games and things. That, that one, it is not strictly historical miniatures. There are other non-historical miniature games that take place and board gaming, I should say, and role playing, I should say. The focus of the convention is historical miniatures, but there are other games um, available as well. That one, we have a Facebook group for HMGS South. So that would be April 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. It is. Um, starts on a Thursday night and it ends on Sunday afternoon. Well, I had to mark it down because uh, I know you're going to have a celebrity there too. Uh, it's going to be running a lot of games. Oh, that's great to hear. You know, because he's... Uh, a manic like that. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about, but there's uh, a guy. It's a project combination thing. It's a great it's way to call me. It's me again. <laughs> I'm I'm joking with Edgar here, but you know, Edgar sent me an email saying, "Hey, look, and we're going to have skirmish con. You want to make the dates available?" And I was like, "You know what? Let me run a game. I want to run a game." 
I looked at what I had available in my uh, central my Central Asia stuff, and it's uh, Russians, Persians, and it's called the Battle of Saffron Fields. And uh, so I got uh, got pretty much all of it ready because I've been gearing up for recon because there it's going to be Russians versus Kashgari. It's going to be Russians versus Persians. It's going to be uh, Russians versus Herats, Herats versus uh, Afghans. I got a whole slew of stuff prepped already. So, yeah, I, I haven't messed around. I got the terrain pieces, which I'm not even putting on. I haven't put any of these on Facebook. I put little pieces here and there. And that way, when you show up, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, what? What? This guy can do this stuff. That's good teasers. You know, we got to blow this up, man. (laughs) Uh, Tear it up. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I hadn't been to a convention in a long, long time. So going to Hurricane, all of a sudden it got the juices going. It really did. Uh, I was driving home on that Saturday. uh, Excuse me, the Friday with my wife. She was like, you're really into it. I'm like, yeah, I was really into it. And she said, when's the next one? I go, it's, it has to be in April. She goes, well, why don't you do something? I'm like, I'm going to do something. Now, so my, oh, she's my awesome. brain was popping, you know? So, uh, no, I was really excited about that. And I, that's why I wanted to get you on here and share, share this, uh, with, with all the folks out there and the vast assemblage of listening land. Edgar, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Looking forward to seeing you, uh, at the beginning of the March. I appreciate uh, you coming on. My pleasure, sir. We appreciate you. And, uh, Coming up next on Shot and Shield, we're going to bust out uh, the movie review. That's next. This is Shot and Shield. I hear the conditions in your army are appalling. Well, I'm sorry, but those are my conditions, and you'll just have to accept them. From the land of the audio to the world of the visual, the Shot and Shield podcast is on YouTube. I use YouTube for supplementary information, such as watch-along videos, documentaries of interest, movies that I find that uh, best represent colonial or 19th century inspirations or gaming, and eventually video from interviews that I've uh, already done and that you've heard on the podcast. Just search out, in parentheses, Shot and Shield. You got to put the parentheses in there, parentheses, Shot and Shield, and parentheses, and you'll find it on the YouTube. There's also a link on the podcast info page. So check it out and subscribe to Shot and Shield on YouTube. This is Shot and Shield. I'm waiting for an explanation. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. Looks bad in the newspapers and upset civilians at their breakfast. This is Shot and Shield. Thank you for staying with me and listening to Shot and Shield. Now, before I dig into this episode's movie review, here is uh, some more information about Skirmish GameCon that Edgar was just talking about in the last segment. It's being held in Jacksonville, Florida at the Holiday Inn Bay Meadows on March 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, tickets uh, for the full weekend are only $40, and that's for the full three days. The website is skirmishgamecon.com. Let me repeat that, skirmishgamecon.com. And like, I, you know what, 
for full disclosure, I am going to be hosting a game there for sure. And also, I have uh, I have no financial interest in this in this convention whatsoever. I'm not being paid to talk about it. I want to make that clear because I'll be giving you this information again. And on the bonus episode, I'll be dropping a little bit later on this month. I'm doing this because I really... Look, I, I I like the fact that we all get together and, and do this. I like I like the fact that we can sit here and talk about this. And not only that, but you know, it just because these these conventions are in this area that I'm I'm in now, if you have a convention or you know of a convention that's coming up in your area, whether I'm there or not, it doesn't matter. Look, I want to pass it along. So just you know, shoot me an email, uh, shotshield at gmail.com. Tell me about it uh, so I can put it on the podcast here and uh, let everybody else know about it as well. And it's free. I'm, I'm, I'll do that service free. This isn't, this is, I'm not making money on that. All right. So, and once again, the one here in Florida, Skirmish Game Con website is skirmishgamecon.com. All right. So there you go. All right. Let's move on. It's movie time. This episode's movie review, I take a look at the 1969 classic, The Undefeated. It's a story of former Confederate soldiers and their families heading to Mexico to start a new life. They run into an ex-union officer who's now selling horses for a living. One group is heading to Mexico to start over, and the other one is heading to Mexico to sell horses. It's such a classic Western theme, and during their travels, they run into bandits, American government officials, and Mexican revolutionaries trying to stop them. This is a really good movie. The Undefeated stars John Wayne, Rock Hudson, Lee Merriweather, Bruce Cabot, Merlin Olson, Harry Carey Jr., and a very, 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 very super young Jan Michael Vincent. If you just say John Wayne and Rock Hudson, it's already a smash, so it already has that going for it, right? The movie starts with the end of the U.S. Civil War, and both John Wayne and Rock Hudson are working to get out. Rock Hudson plays an ex-rebel colonel who would rather burn down his home than let carpetbaggers come in and steal it from underneath him. You must be Colonel Langdon. James Langdon. Well, uh, Colonel, I'm here to do you a favor. Well, let's see now. Uh, Langdon Hall Plantation. Ah, yes, here it is. 1,500 acres, is that right? 600 acres bottomland. 400 in pasture and 500 in woods. Two streams, three ponds with a two and a half mile riverfront. <laughs> nice place. Thank you, kindly. I imagine the house could use a little work though, huh? Could stand it? Yeah. Well, I'll just have a look inside. We just swept the floor, Mr. Benedict. You understand? I'll give you 50 cents an acre. That's my top offer. You buzzards, you come down here looking to get fed on the misfortune of others. This house is not for sale. Not now, not next year, not ever. Colonel, we are business. You're trash. Well, well, you're a right plain-talking gentleman, ain't you? (laughs) 
You hear what the man said, Jimmy? Trash? Sixty cents an acre. Take it or leave it. Just like that. Just like that. And if I was you, I'd grab it. We're going to get it anyway, you know. We'll get the house and every last acre of land when they put it up for taxes. Oh, I see. And, uh... How do you know it will be put up for taxes, Mr. Benedict? You went busted outfitting that rebel regiment of yours. John Wayne plays a former Union cavalry colonel who is getting out of the service and taking his team with him to sell horses to the government. Don't tell me I can't resign, Joe. I volunteered into this outfit and I'll volunteer out. Still a lot of work to be done. Not for me, there I came into this thing three years ago with 75 volunteers, all good riders. You know how many of those men are left? No, but I imagine you're going to tell me. Well, if you'll look out this window, you'll see 10. Two of them won't make Christmas. I still can't understand what those men have to do with you resigning. They didn't join the army, Joe. They joined me. For three years, I've watched them fall. Not one of them quit, not one of them deserted. Those that are left deserve more than a pat on the back from some newspaper editor. And I'm gonna see that they get it. Army needs horses. Well, there's plenty of horses in the territory. Wild horses, Arizona, New Mexico. So we're going after them. And sell them to the army. Sure as hell not gonna give them to the army. All right, write out a letter of resignation and I'll see that. You come in mighty handy a few times. Take care of yourself. We may need you again, John Henry. You'll have a hard job finding me, Joe. After some great action of wagon trains, horse roping, and wild range type stuff, both colonels finally meet, and even though both sides want to keep fighting, they know the war's over, and it's all about respect now. Well, you were on George Custer's right flank when you charged the breastworks at Madisonville, weren't you? We did a job that day, didn't we? You were damn cruel. Cruel? Those Johnny Rebs had 40-pounders looking right down our throat. Did you think you were coming to a ball? Sergeant! Yes, sir. I can find the time. I'm going to sit down and write the social history of bourbon. Tell me something, Mr. Thomas. Were you, by chance, at Chickamauga? I asked because I lost my brother there, Ann's husband. I lost 23 in my command at Chickamauga. Friends and sons of friends, men that I'd known all their lives. Now can I ask you a question, Colonel? Fire one, Mr. Thomas. Why did you come clear out here to continue a war that ended months ago in Virginia? Because I'm a stubborn man. Does that satisfy you? No. Because I got no taste for losing to a lot of Yankee rabble. How about that? It won't wash. You can be a very aggravating man, Mr. Thomas. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Let's just say we haven't seen the end. You'll see it quick enough if you keep drinking this stuff. Excuse me, Colonel. Sergeant? Now later, there's a great bandit attack that gets repelled, and then the former Confederates fall into a revolutionary trap that 
only the ex-Union Cavalry officer can get them out of. In the end, both sides are fast friends, and they're heading back to the United States to start all over. What do you plan on doing once we get back home? Well, the only place a man can raise more hell than he can in a war is on the floor of the House of Representatives. An old friend of mine once told me people like to vote for heroes. So I guess that's what I'll do. That team working out all right? Sure. You going back to the Oklahoma Territory, Mr. Thomas? Yes, ma'am. Just as fast as I can get there. There are many women out there? Some. Good country, I suppose. From Missouri to the Pacific Ocean. Mostly good land for farming, raising cattle, and raising a family. Are you going to raise a family? Well, I, uh... Solomon, can't you play any other tune? Sure, boss. Not neither, Yank. There is a couple of underlying love stories going on, but, you know, I really don't really focus on that. I focused on what can I get out of this movie to help us war game, okay? And I actually saw a lot of scenario potential in this movie. Number one, moving cattle and horses from one end of the table to the other while fighting off bandits. That has that has war gaming written all over it. Uh, the circle of wagons to fend off an attack, that alone, not just in the American Southwest, but in the Boer country, that works as well. And uh, if you're doing something in India, you might want to think about that, uh, you know, if you're doing one of those type of uh, scenarios out there in India. There's also another, another idea that I got as I was watching uh, The Undefeated here, and it's the timed save. A unit has to get to the middle of a town to save someone before time run, uh, time runs out. That's always a really, really good, uh, that's a great scenario, no matter w- what period you're working in. And then finally, the inspiration for this episode's scenario builder is trying not to be caught while trying to get to the objective. More on that later. But overall, this movie is awesome. I give it four pith helmets out of five. I deducted one pith helmet because I... I couldn't get any real good uniform ideas out of this movie. The Union, Confederate, the Mexican uniforms were all pretty pedestrian. Um, nothing different, nothing really special about them outside of Rock Hudson's hat with the you know feather on top. Okay, cool. You got that going for you. But acting and the action and the scenarios are top-notch, so you can't really go wrong. Now, if you've never seen The Undefeated, you can go to the Shot and Shield YouTube page and watch it for free under the Shot and Shield Presents watch list. Also, if you're there, please like, subscribe, and I'll be adding more movies and videos as soon as I can. But that is my review of the 1969 classic, The Undefeated with John Wayne and Rock Hudson. Next up, the aforementioned scenario builder. That's coming up on Shot and Shield.
Hi, I'm famous podcaster and influencer, Sir Scott. And when I was young, my analyst said that I had an overactive imagination. I mean, he was a financial analyst, but he was still right, okay? Now, as a kid, I would always see my G.I. Joes capture tigers, excavate treasures, or elude dangerous snakes, and I would lose myself in Adventures of Tarzan in Flash Gordon and Conan. Old-time radio always had that magic that could transport you to different times and transport you to different worlds. And now I offer you a podcast filled exclusively with adventures in audio. Search and subscribe to Vintage Radio Adventures, found on most podcast apps. That's Vintage Radio Adventures. Hey, what the blaze is this? A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. All right, Marines. This is Shot and Shield. Still ahead on the February edition of the Shot and Shield Supercast, Gaming the Cossacks, and my old-time radio archaeological discovery featuring Ronald Coleman. But first, it's been a while, because I had to revamp it a little bit, just a little. It's time for Scenario Builder. Get out your notebook, get out your pen, get out your pencil, sharpen it, be ready. It's time for Scenario Builder. Building better worlds. So one of the reasons I took a break from doing this segment was that I found myself leaning on one particular rule set when designing my scenario. So I cleared my head and now I'm coming back to it with a different sort of outlook. It's a little more vague but I hope that you you get something from it. So instead of giving you points and what your forces should look like in relation to one rule set, I'm going to be giving you the scenario objective and what limitations you'll be facing and a suggested field force. Then you will have to find a way to incorporate it into your rule set of choice, okay? So this show scenario is called Hunting and Being Hunted. In this scenario, you will need to have an umpire. You just, you got to have an umpire graph paper, and a tabletop littered, littered with trees, hills, bushes, and rocky outcrops. You can play this game on any size table. You'll just have to adjust the number of units you work with. I'm going to leave that up to you. For instance, if you're working on a 4x4 card table, then you should have just a few units. But if you decide to go all in and do a 6x4, then you're definitely going to be looking at a larger force. The reason you need all of this terrain is because one side's objective is to not be seen and travel from one end of the table to the other. The objective of the opposing force is to stop them. For instance, let's say both sides have three infantry units and a cavalry unit. Side A has to get as many of those units from one side of the table to the other, undiscovered, okay? Or at least undiscovered as possible. If you have three units that are undiscovered and you one unit is, well, that's just the way the game rolls. The other side, you got to find them. You got to find them. The reason for the graph paper is so both sides could track their movement. And at the end of each turn, the umpire examines the graph and announces if someone's been found out. I think for this game, you really need to have that umpire to keep this thing moving. There is another thing you got to think about. Side A could decide to ambush side B in order to allow the rest of side A's force to make it out. So there's a there's there's some ideas here where you could really you could really get uh, some really decent strategy out of it. So you're just not stuck in this sort of like this box. 
I think the scenario could work well in India, Bavaria, South America, the jungles of Africa, the swamps of the southern U.S., uh, the, the forests of New Zealand or in China or Indochina. Obviously, deserts and steppes are probably not a good location for a, you know, a, a scenario like this because it requires a lot of terrain. You want to throw as many trees and, and lichen and, and rocks and hills as you possibly can in this. If, you ha- if, if that's all you see, that's probably a good deal. Also, I'm going to add uh, two notes for you to think about. I would, if I were you, I think you should avoid any sort of artillery in this scenario whatsoever. The way the artillery works, I mean, you got to really have line of sight. You really got to be ready. You see what I'm saying? So cavalry, you know, infantry, I think that's what you're looking for. And number two, you got to think about silent weapons like bows and arrows and spears and how that would affect being seen or not. Okay, you feeling it? The scenario is called Hunting and Being Hunted. I hope you try it and enjoy it. Uh, It's posted right now on the Shot and Shield podcast Wargaming group uh, on Facebook. If you play this or any of the scenarios uh, from the program, please post those pictures to the Facebook group. Let's show everybody how this is running. And if you have any questions or if you have any, any thoughts, please feel free to put them in the comment section in that post. Okay, Uh, coming up. You know what? I think we're ready. Let's game the Cossacks. This is Shot and Shield. You don't think I, too, dream of peace? You don't think I, too, yearn to end this damn dirty job we call soldiering? Frankly, no. Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page, at Shot and Shield. Please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. Shot and Shield, a podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. This is Shot and Shield. I'd like to say uh, thank you for joining me for this episode of Shot and Shield. Uh, remember, if you have any questions or critique or a suggestion, please email me at shotandshield at gmail.com. So let's get, uh, let's get in on Game and the Cossacks. Before I get going, I would like to remind you that I'm not a professional historian. It's not what I do. I'm a total amateur history buff. I have a liberal arts degree with a huge emphasis on history and philosophy. So if you hear something that I got wrong, then feel free to call me out. It's okay. Uh, My ego is well in check. Correct me. uh, And if you like, email me. Tell me what I got wrong. I'll correct myself on the next Supercast. Um, Also, I'm going to be putting uh, some information on the the Facebook group. And if there's something on there that, hey, look, you know, you think I got wrong, 
or you know I got wrong, then post it. Let's. I want to make sure that uh, we're all on the same page with this, okay? And I don't, I, like I said, I don't mind my ego as well in check. So it's not like I'm gonna be like, well, who do you think you are? No, it's not like that. But let me let me do this. Let me start with something simple. What is a Cossack? I think it's important to ask that question. What is a Cossack? It is important because we need to start at the basic premise and grow from there. For gaming purposes, think of uh, the Cossacks as a paramilitary group from the Caspian area or other parts of Southern Russia. Historically, it's much deeper than that, but for wargaming purposes, a paramilitary group is the, probably the best way to describe them. Also, Cossacks have been around since like since at least the 1200s, but again, this is a 19th century podcast, so my focus is going to be on Cossacks of this time frame. Furthermore, many of you, I assume, have heard of the Don Cossacks, the Tarek Cossacks, the Ural Cossacks, and, and there's uh, several other hosts. Uh, the Caucasus, Danube, Greben, uh, Kuban, Orenburg, Siberian, Volga, they are all roughly named for the regions which they originate from. Their host, that's what it's called. Their region is called their host. There are, uh, there are some cultural differences between the Terra Co- uh, Cossacks and the Siberian Cossacks, but again, for gaming purposes, I will be lumping them in together because each Cossack, each Cossack host generally fights the same, rides the same, and generally has the same morale and determination. I want to get into the Cossack uniform first. The Cossack uniform is generally the same for every uh, every host with a long coat, which is called uh, Chekeska, and the fleece fuzzy hat, which is called the Papaka. The differences are in the color of the Chekeska, the, the long coat, and the color of the crown on top of the Papapka, or the hat, right? Uh, I'll name a few of the more popular ones, okay? So like the Dong Cossacks, have they, they have a dark blue Chicheska and a red crown on top of their hat. So it's like the, the top circle of the hat is red. Uh, the Tarek Cossacks are gray or brown, tan. Uh, they, that's the kind of Chicheska they have, and they have a light, uh, light blue crown. The Kuban Cossacks, those are the ones that are all in black. They got that black Chicheska and the red crown that uh, you see in a lot of uh, movies. You see, them, uh, you see a lot uh, in Russian propaganda films. Uh, the Napoleonic Orenburg Cossacks, they have the green Chicheska. It's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of like an, more of an olive drab, sort of olive drab meets uh, rich green Chicheska, and it has a light blue crown. Uh, the Siberian Cossacks have a green Chicheska and a red crown as well. So, I mean, you can tell just that alone, uh, you can tell that they're, they do have some differences, but they're generally the same. The point being that each Cossack host has a defined color, which is primarily inspired by their cultural lines. All right. I'll have a further list uh, for you on the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming group fa- uh, site on uh, Facebook. So look for that. It's uh, posted right now. <laughs> Now let's cover the Cossacks in combat because here is here is where we really see their value on the battlefield. They've been compared to Zwavs or 
the British rifles and the aspect of their individual battle. The Cossacks were trained in not just fighting on horseback, but dismounted and in guerrilla tactics as well, uh, with almost disregard for oneself due to the predominant, you know, East Slavic Orthodox uh, Christianity. They just they just think in a different way. And once again, I'm speaking in generalities uh, for gaming purposes and not discounting the more nuanced historical aspects. Now, the Cossacks were born in the saddle, which mean they could shoot and in stride with great accuracy. They're trained like that, and they do that literally from baby's age. They put them on a horse and they go, and then they get to know the ride, and then it's like, now it's time to shoot a gun or run a bow and arrow or do a lance, you know, so they have... They have this vast weaponry, which includes the lance, the musket, the pistol, the axe, a sword, a short sword, a knife, bows and arrows. And they got this crazy, <laughs> this, this crazy rope lasso device that they inherited from the Mongols. And I saw this, I saw this in a Russian film from the 50s about the uh, Russo-Turkish War. It was very, very graphic. And it was one, again one of those one of those Russian propaganda films from the uh, from the fifties. When charging infantry, the Cossack would use their main weapon or use the rope to lasso an infantryman's neck and drag him along. You imagine doing that on the game table? That's nutty. I don't even. I can't even think of how to game that right now. But uh, any of you you guys out there with the rule sets who are thinking, oh, I could. This is the. This is the the roll of the dice I would use, but it's, it's quite, it was quite the sight in this movie. And I haven't seen, the problem is I haven't seen any other information about that except in that movie. And don't ask me the title. I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to get into it, but uh, it's uh, it was quite a sight. Also talk about the lance because the lance had a very kind of special property to it. Uh, it could be slung around the back. Like if you like a, a gun with the, with the shoulder strap. So the, the lance had a sh- kind of a shoulder strap thing where you could s- sling it around the back, leaving your hands free to ride or use another weapon. So they have that going for them too. That's what I mean about when they're born in the saddle. They have all these, this, all this weaponry to them. And when we get into the miniatures, some of the miniatures, they reflect that pretty well. Uh, in the Cossack, you're talking about high morale, a bloodthirsty sort of mentality, born in the horse with a collection of melee weapons uh, at his disposal. We're talking about pretty violent fellow. <laughs> Now, I do have a couple of notes before I wrap it up. Uh, Firstly, not all Cossack hosts got along with each other. So it's conceivable that they might fight each other, uh, even if they were supposed to be on the same side, which I have to tell you, it makes for some pretty good uh, gaming scenarios, if you think about it, where you got two Cossacks that are supposed to be on the same side fighting with the regular troops, and they just don't like each other. You roll a dice, boom, 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 and all of a sudden, now you've got a battle on your hands between two of the same you know, same Cossacks that are supposed to be on the same side. So there, there's, some, there's some fun there, right? Gaming fun, I, I should say. Next, there were some Cossack groups that had a mercenary trend. 
they would work for other countries, not just Russia. They'd work for Turkey, they'd work for Persia, and they would act like pirates on horseback, sort of like a trade seal from a foreign power. If you've ever seen the movies, uh, the pirate movies, where it's like, well, you know, I'm, I've been given this trade seal from France, and now I can go and plunder and pillage anything that's not French. And so you got to think about it like that, where if uh, the Persians gave the Cossacks their trade seal, then the Cossacks, they're, they're out. They're off. They're going to they're gonna plunder and pillage everything around them except for Persians. So that might be something you want to think about as you're developing your game if you're using the Cossacks, all right? So yeah, just make those notes if you decide to game Cossacks. If, uh, if that's the case, then you're going to know some of the companies that have that deal in Cossacks. There's a lot of them, actually. I made a small list, uh, and I've been fortunate that I have a lot of these in my own collection, so I can give you kind of the rundown. So obviously, you're going to start with one of the one of the big ones, Copplestone. Makes some great Cossacks. They're really easy. They're really easy to paint. They're they're. And what I mean by easy to paint, it's not like they don't have any details. They have detail, but there's there's something about uh, the canvas of the metal that they're on. It just makes it really easy to paint and it's fun to paint. But uh, you can find uh, them in their Back From Beyond line. Uh, There's practically no flash, and they're more of a pure 28 millimeter, really top-notch stuff. Another company is Outpost Wargame Services. Uh, They make a really good Cossack as well, and this company makes up the majority of my Cossacks in my personal collection. And you can find them as part of the Russo-Turkish War line of theirs. Uh, they're kind of small and a little stocky, but the detail is really nice and they're suited. They, they suit my purposes, uh, fantastic. Uh, once again, uh, you're looking at a small 28 millimeter, almost a 25 millimeter with those guys. Uh, another, another, uh, group, uh, that does a pretty good, uh, Cossacks. If you really look for them, Perry Miniatures, uh, also have a nice pure 28 millimeter set of Cossacks you could find in the Napoleonic line, in the Napoleonic Russian line, I should say, and some early Cossacks in their Crusade Muslim line under the title Turkomans. Those are really good if you want to mix th- that standard Cossack set and add a mix of weaponry and outfits and stuff like that. So that's that's really good. Um, Ascari Miniatures has an okay selection of Cossacks. I do have some in my collection. The, the horses are really weak in the legs and they break really easily. So you might want to think about that if you're going to pick those up. The sculpts are pedestrian, but not horrible. Uh, these are good if you want a lot of figures. Uh, the prices are really good over at Ascari. And if you don't want to sit down and paint details forever and you just want like 5,000 of these suckers, <laughs> This is maybe the way to go. Um, Old Glory has a 25 millimeter historical Cossack Wars line, which look okay in the pictures and really engages using using that uh, rope noose deal that I was talking about. I've never owned anything from Old, Old Glory, but I know a lot of people who have that really like them and they swear by them. Uh, Foundry has a line of Cossacks and Napoleonic and Crimean and musket lines. Uh, I have some of these in my collection as well. They're very nice, smallish, probably 25 millimeter, really like size-wise, more 25 than 28, but, you know, it works. Uh, Empress has a line. Uh, The pictures look really good, but I don't have a a size comparison for you. I know they're 28 mil. Uh, In plastics, 
for you uh, folks that are so inclined. I know that Hat is developing, and it's still in development, some World War I Cossacks in 172nd. The roughs look fantastic and could probably be used in the 19th century if they ever finish them. I'm not sure what their timeline is, but let me tell you, just the roughs and the sketches really look good. And if I were doing plastics, I'd be like, I'd be chomping at the bit to get my hands on these guys. Another plastic company that I've used in the past in 172nd scale, in my 172nd scale collections, that is, is Strelitz. Uh, the plastic is thick. It's very, very thick. The, uh, and no pose is exactly alike. But the sculpts are very nice. There's a lot of flash to them, so you're going to do a little carving. Uh, and their variations on the Cossacks are very, very well done. So I'm sure there's other companies that make Cossacks, but these are the ones that I'm in tune with uh, or have had in my collections. So I hope that uh, helps you and uh, you know, if you're deciding to work uh, with the Cossacks. But uh, there you go. This is my take on gaming Cossacks. If you found this interesting and want more info, I have uh, right now on the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group site on uh, Facebook. I put a tutorial up there. And also, listen, listen, all right? If I've gotten something wrong, all right, and what what I've said, or you feel I haven't nuanced something enough, that's fine. Feel free to jump in on uh, the Facebook site in the comment section underneath the tutorial to correct. Or if you want to email me at shotandshield at gmail.com and tell me, hey, you know what, Scott, you kind of blew this. This is really what it is. I'll do a little research and we'll see if we can come to agreement and I'll put it on the air. I'll say, hey, look, I made a mistake. I have no problem doing that my ego is well in check. But yeah, please comment. Uh, you know, if you have if you have Cossacks that you've painted, put them on the put them on the Facebook page, man. Put them on there or put them on the Twitter page too. It's uh, at Shot and Shield. You do that. That should I want to see it. I want to see what you've done as well. Next, I put my sun helmet on and dig up some audio from the past. Next on Shot and Shield. <laughs> Come on, come on. Shot and Shield, your colonial wargaming podcast. The 19th century ended amid the glories of the Victorian era. Shot and Shield, a podcast dedicated to wargaming the colonial era. In those aristocratic Victorian days, when, as Disraeli said, the world was for the few and for the very few. The views expressed during Shot and Shield are the hosts and only meant to be taken seriously if you feel it's necessary. Good luck against those elephants. And now, Shot and Shield. Once again, thank you for uh, listening to Shot and Shield. Now, before I dig up some new old-time radio discoveries, I want to repeat uh, some info I gave you earlier about Skirmish GameCon. It's being held in Jacksonville, Florida at the Holiday Inn Bay Meadows on March 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Tickets are uh, for the full weekend are only 40 bucks, which is really a great deal if you think about it. You can go to the you can go to a movie and you're gonna pay 90. And that's just for the uh, popcorn. This is you get a whole weekend of playing games. That's cool. 40 bucks. Full three days. The website is skirmishgamecon.com. Skirmishgamecon.com. So as always, I like to tell you that I'm not going to, I just, just because I want full disclosure, I'm not benefiting, benefiting this in any way. I don't get any money out of this. I'm going to be hosting games, 
you know, a game or at least one game up at uh, Skirmish Game Con. Um, but, you know, I just want to see everybody. That's really what it comes down to. And if you have, if you have a convention that is in your neck of the woods, you want it to be heard on Shot and Shield, email, email me. I'll put it on there, even if I'm not going. All right. I like to share. So, yeah, do that right now. So, right. Before I close the program, as always, we have a discovery from the past. I put on my sun helmet. I dig and dig and dig and dig until I'm so weary that I can't go on. And all of my Ascari and my porters have deserted me. And then I stumble across a hidden gem in the audio jungle. So I have found this uh, neat little radio play from the 30s featuring Ronald Coleman from Rudyard Kipling, The Phantom Rickshaw. This is Ronald Coleman inviting you to radio's most dramatic half hour, Favorite Story. probably never ridden in a rickshaw. Frankly, I can't recommend it as the most comfortable means of travel. But in certain areas of India and China, where taxicab stands are several thousand miles apart, you either use a rickshaw or you walk. Now, a rickshaw is a rickety contrivance with two wheels and a couple of bamboo poles sticking out in front. The engine of the rickshaw develops exactly one manpower. Our favorite story this week is about a rickshaw, a phantom rickshaw. It really didn't exist except in the mind of a British administrator in India, but to him it was real, incredibly startlingly real. The story of the phantom rickshaw was written by the one and only Rudyard Kipling, and it was chosen for you as the favorite story of Mr. Deems Taylor, composer and music critic. Mr. Taylor is an old radio friend of yours. I know you've heard him many times in his commentary on symphonic and operatic programs. He picks good music for your radio, and he knows how to pick good stories, too. When you've heard Phantom Rickshaw, I'm sure you'll agree. Here it is, then, Deems Taylor's favorite story, Act One. the rickshaw again. Not again. Agnes. Agnes, why don't you let me alone? I'll be with you all the rest of your life. Panzei, snap out of it. Agnes, where do you haunt me? Panzei, stop this nonsense. Lie back in bed now. She's calling me. There's no one calling you. You 
got a fever and you're imagining things. I'm sure it's all a mistake. A hideous mistake. You're dead, Agnes. Dead for a month now. Let me rest. Leave me alone. Go away and take that ghastly rickshaw with you. I hear it continually. The rickshaw. The black rickshaw with the yellow panels. The rickshaw and your voice. We should be as good friends someday, Jack. As we ever were. No, Agnes. You're dead. Go away. Stop it, Panzei. Talk to me if you like. There's no one else here. You're wrong. Agnes is here. April is gone, Agnes. April is over, and you're dead. And now there's Kitty, Agnes. I'm sure it's all a mistake. A hideous mistake. I'm sick of you, Agnes. It's all a mistake. Do you hear me? I'm sick of you. Let me alone. Let me rest or let me die, but let me alone. Man, you've got to snap out of this if I have to slap it out of you. Panzei, are you listening to me? Yes, I'm, I'm listening. There's no one here. Do you understand? There's no one here. It's no use. She keeps calling me. No one's calling you. And I want you to stop this nonsense about a phantom rickshaw. Is it nonsense, Doctor? Take my word for it. The hospital has handled hundreds like you. It's the fault of the system. They expect you over at the Katabundi settlement to do the work of three men. That's India. But it's no reason for you to get these strange spectral illusions. I don't know. I don't know. In cases like this, what we need most is a brain purge. Now lie back and tell me all about it. From the start. From the start. This woman, Agnes, was she married? Widowed. The wife of a fellow on the Bombay side. Keith Wessington. Where did you meet her? On the boat coming back to Bombay. But it only got serious when we were together again the next spring in December. Darling, let's sit down here a moment and rest. All right, my dear. I could listen to those temple bells forever. Jack, do you suppose we can afford a bungalow here someday for the year round? Perhaps, darling. Oh, it could be so wonderful. Looking up to the snow peaks, feeling the crisp air. Don't you love the snow? <laughs> Not when I have to climb a mountain for it. Oh, dear, it's late. I must change. Change? We're going to a party at the Colonel. Oh, must we go? Well, if you love me, you won't say another word. But, darling... I we... won't listen to you. You don't want to go anywhere with me. You only want to make love to me. <laughs> Is that bad? But I have a new dress. And if I don't get sure it off tonight, I'll be angry. Good heavens, what's that? The sacred monkeys at the temple. <laughs> You're disturbing them with your chatter. I don't chatter. All right. I don't chatter, do I, darling? No, but sometimes you talk too much. Jack. If there's anything I detest, it's a garrulous woman. Darling. Darling, do you suppose we could ever fall out of love? Huh? I never gave it a thought. No. We've been too much to each other, haven't we? Yes. I'll stay with you all the rest of your life, Jack. 
You'll never be rid of me. Oh, come, my dear. Don't sound so grim. Mm -hmm. That's how much I love you, darling. That's how much I love you. That's how it was that first year in Simla, Doctor. Did you love her? At first. She was very beautiful. The most golden hair. But then she became possessive. She hung on me every moment and everywhere we went. When did you see her again? The next year. But then things were different. I had not seen Agnes for many months. I'm afraid I had purposely not seen her. And then one day I had business that took me into the bazaar. It was there that it happened, the incident that was to change the course of my life. The incident that I shall have cause to regret till the hour I die. This is a walking stick the gods might envy. Is it a tough wood? Like an elephant, Sahib. And yet it has spring, Sahib, like a fine blade. Listen. Huh. Sahib, the very air sings to this stick. Yes! Sahib, a woman called. Where? There, Sahib, in the black rickshaw. The woman with the golden hair. Sahib, you will take this wonderful stick? I suppose so. Here. Oh, Sahib, it is two coins of such a brightness for such a stick. <laughs> Robber. Yes! Sir, Sahib, sir, the best from China. Red wine, Sahib, the finest Persian. Red wine, Sahib, red wine from the south side, right? Yes, there you are. Oh, for a moment, I was afraid you weren't going to show me. Or come to me if you did. Don't be ridiculous, Agnes. How are you? Oh, darling, it's good to see you again. Is it? Jack, why do you treat me like this? Like what? You've been avoiding me deliberately. Have I? Last year it was different. How? Well, we... We walked together. We rode together. Had tea, had dinner. Now you don't even want to see me. People change. Yes, yes, they do. You've changed so much I hardly know you. Twelve months is a long time, especially in India. You were very happy here last year. Jules. That Jules, was Jules, last year. Jules. Saeb, I have lovely gems. No, nothing today. I have here a ruby, a ruby most crimson. We don't want anything. The man Saeb in the black rickshaw has hair as golden as the wheat of Samarkand. Go away. For hair so golden, I have two exquisite combs set with the tiniest and finest of sapphires. The blue Saeb on a field of gold. The Mem Saeb wants nothing. A crown fit for a queen, Sahib. Get away or I'll have the Mem Sahib's rickshaw boys beat you. Sahib, in another land it was once said, whom the gods would destroy, they first drive mad. Then I am ready for destruction, for fools like you will drive me mad. Before the gods work their will on you, Sahib, you would perhaps buy for the Mem Sahib a brooch of purest gold, 
fashioned by the craftsmen of Kashmir. One more word and I'll use a stick on you myself. May Allah preserve you from Farah Sahib. You devil! Ah! And one of misery. May the gods of darkness creep into your mind and fill it with the fear of night. Jack, you shouldn't have hit him. The swine deserved it. Jack, you've changed so. You were never like this before. Flowers fade, grass turns yellow, and the bloom of love is gone with the dawn. But last year's rains. Oh, please. Please forgive me, dear. What for? I must have failed you somehow. You wouldn't treat me like this. I can't pretend to love you any longer. Oh, Jack, don't. I'm fed up. I'm tired of your monotonous voice and weary of your appeals. I'm sick to death of your whining. Oh, I'm sure it's all a mistake, Jack. A hideous mistake. We should be as good friends someday as we ever were. Can't you get it through your head that I don't want to be friends? I want to be rid of you, completely rid of you. I wish you were dead. <laughs> what I said. And a week later, she was dead. Dead? Had she been ill? For several months. Only hope had kept her alive, and then I took the last hope from her. I'll never forget her sitting there in the black rickshaw, her golden head bowed. I'll never forget it. Did you know this other woman then, Kitty? Yes, we'd become quite thick all of a sudden. And everything was going fine until... Until the afternoon, we bought the ring. The ring? Yes, we had just left the jewelers. Hamilton's, just outside the bazaar. Jack, dear, there's never been such a ring in the whole world. Oh, my darling, there's never been a love like ours in the whole world. Oh, Oh, Kitty, if you but knew what your coming into my life has meant to me. The freshness, the beauty, the the understanding of you. And, yes, the unselfishness. Jack, you don't have to say such things, you know. We're already engaged. Unless it's all been a dream these last days. Is it true, darling? <laughs> Are we engaged? Well, let me see your left hand. <laughs> ah, we must be. <gasps> Kitty. What's the matter, Jack? Those rickshaw boys. They used to work for Agnes. Who? Agnes. This is Keith Wessington. Is she the poor woman who died last month? Yes, that's the one. Someone said she died of a broken heart. I didn't think anyone died of a broken heart. So old-fashioned. That's her rickshaw over there. Where? On the bridge near the railing. Uh, are you joking? There's no rickshaw on the bridge. No rickshaw. There's nothing there. You're blind. The black rickshaw's there. It's turning around now. Jack, are you all right? Tell me, you see the rickshaw. It's off the bridge now. It's coming toward us. Oh, let's not stand here in the middle of the street, dear. It's the rickshaw. Agnes's rickshaw. Kitty, stop the rickshaw! Huh. Try to run us down, Kitty! Stop the rickshaw! Stop it, Kitty! Ah!
We're ready now with Act Two of Mr. Deems Taylor's favorite story, The Phantom Rickshaw, with William Conrad as Pansy. Was it the insufferable heat of India? Or the influence of a native curse? Or could it have been the persistent memory of Agnes and the summer at Simla? One of these things, or a combination of them all, has driven Panze to the edge of insanity. We hear him now, continuing his story to the doctor. When I woke up, doctor, I realized that Kitty knew. She knew about Agnes. Doctor, don't you see how I've paid for it? As surely as any woman was ever killed by man, I killed Agnes. And now she won't let me alone. Panze, that's ridiculous. You're suffering from some spectral illusion. Nothing more. An illusion. If it only were, Doctor. If it only were. Panze, listen to me. In medicine, we have something we call a shock treatment. Right now, we're going to saddle up a couple of horses, ride to the spot where you saw that spectre, and I'm going to prove to you that it was merely a combination of overwork, nerves, and the hot sun of India. Shall we take it at a faster gait? It's only a mile to the bridge. You don't have to go to the bridge, Doctor. It's there, just ahead of us. What's ahead of us? The phantom rickshaw. It left the house when we did. It's about 20 yards ahead of us. Maybe it's your eyes. I'll examine them more closely when we get back. Doctor. Doctor. Panzer, you're sweating and trembling like a frightened pony. Yes, I think it's your eyes. Perhaps. My eyes see the rickshaw as surely as they see you riding beside me. My eyes see the four rickshaw boys. Do you know that all four of them died of cholera on their way to their new owner? And the rickshaw was broken up by the man she hired it from? Told me he'd never used the dead Memsahib's rickshaw. Spoiled his luck. Queer notion, wasn't it? Panze, the presence of the rickshaw is in itself enough to prove the existence of a spectral illusion. Perhaps one may see ghosts of men and women, but surely never of a carriage. The whole thing's absurd. Fancy the ghost of a carriage. Yes, fancy. And yet there it is, ahead of us. The dead travel fast, and by shortcuts unknown to ordinary rickshaw boys. Wait a minute. Pull up. What's the matter, Panze? The rickshaw's come to a dead stop. Where? By the cliff. Well, what do we do? Spend a cold night on the hillside for the sake of a blasted illusion? Let's ride on. Wait. Good Lord, Panze, the whole cliff's coming down. should stop, Doctor. Man, if we'd gone forward, we should have been ten feet deep in our graves by now. We'll have to turn round and go by way of the church ridge. Well, you've had ten days of my treatment. How do you like it? It's simple enough. Liver pills, cold water baths, and strong exercise. And you agree the little incident at the cliff had nothing to do with the rickshaw, don't you? Don't you? Yes, yes, Doctor. It's eyes, brain, and stomach, isn't that it? Exactly. At the end of the week, you won't know yourself. You're sure of that, Doctor? 
You're very sure of that? What do you mean? What's the matter with you this morning, Panzer? Kitty sent back my letters. And here's a note from her father. Says that a man who behaved as I did to Mrs. Wessington ought to kill himself. Mm. And Agnes won't let me rest. I keep repeating to myself, I'm on leave in Semla, ordinary, everyday Semla. I'm in Semla and there are no phantoms here. But sometimes it seems that the rickshaw and I are the only realities in a world of shadows. That Kitty was a ghost. And that all the other men and women I know are all phantoms. And the hills themselves are just shadows to torture me. Why can't I be left alone? Don't get excited now. Get back into bed and rest. A few more days and you'll be fit. You'll be laughing yourself at these fantasies of yours. Well, Panzer, after much examination of pupil and pulse, I'm ready to dismiss you. I certify to your mental cure, which is to say I've cured most of your bodily ailments. Now get your traps out of here as soon as you can. <laughs> You've been very good to me, Doctor. And very good for me. Go out and see if you can find this phantom rickshaw business again. I'll give you a rupee for each time you see it. Your friend is here, Saeed. He was carried into my humble shop just after he fell hurt in the street. As you see, the commissioner is already here. Oh, commissioner, doctor. I fear your friend is near death, Saeed. Panze. Panze, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, doctor. I can hear you. Are you all right now? You've been much too good to me already, old man, but I don't think I'll trouble you further. Are you hurt? Should I be? I don't know. Commissioner, tell me what happened. When we got to him, he was lying in the middle of the mail, like he'd been run over. Picked him up and brought him to the shop. Tell me, Commissioner, will you carry the investigation of my death into the spirit world? Oh, oh you're going to be all right, Panzer. <laughs> Never. You know, I debated with myself. Shall I die in my bed decently and as an English gentleman should die? Or in one last walk on the mall, will my soul be wrenched from me to take its place by the side of that ghost of a woman? The ghost of Agnes? Stop it, Panzer! Shall I return to my old lost allegiance in the next world? Or shall I meet her, loathing her and riding by her side in that rickshaw through all eternity? Shall we... <coughs> Shall... Panze, it's an awful thing to go down quick among the dead. Uh, only one half of your life completed. Commissioner. Yes? There are no marks on his body. But he must have been struck. Did anyone see him fall? Oh, no, no, that's the strangest part of it all. He was found on one of the busiest streets, and yet no one saw him go down. How about the sadhu? The holy man? Yes. Oh, all right, I'll bring him in. What with your examination, Doctor? Uh, you there. You say you own this shop. Yes, it is my shop. 
I sell gems, beautiful gems, Saeb. How do you know of this? Only that the man was cursed, Saeb. How do you know? It came on the wind and died in the tree, Saeb. What does that mumbo-jumbo mean? That the man was cursed. Ah, uh, uh, Commissioner, uh, what nonsense is... Oh, yes, there you are, Commissioner. Uh, here's the holy man. Let's see what he has to say. Do you know this man, Sadhu? The one who stands there and sells bits of glass, sign, or the one on the floor who now sells his soul to the powers of darkness? None of that nonsense now. You know who I am, don't you? You are the Commissioner of Police, sir. I want you to tell me if anyone was with this man when he fell in the street. All men are alone when they die, sir. After he fell. Did you see anything? When the soul is in flight, no one can see it or know whence it goes. Did you see something on a more material plane? Anything on the street after the man fell? Yes. What? A rickshaw, Saib, moving very fast. What did it look like? It was a black rickshaw, Saib. A black rickshaw with yellow panels. <laughs> It was his destiny to die slowly and a little every day. Uh, you can go. Yes, sir. Commissioner, I don't know what you want to make in the nature of an examination, but I don't need to go any further. I'm satisfied as to the cause of death. You are? Yes. Huh. What are you going to put on the death certificate? I'll just say he was run down by a phantom rickshaw. <laughs> story, isn't it? Would you call it a natural death? Suicide? Or would you say Panze was murdered by his own conscience? Who can tell? Well, it's now difficult to understand why Deems Taylor picked the phantom rickshaw as his favorite story. It's one of Kipling's most memorable works. In future weeks on Favorite Story, we hope to match it, bringing you dramatizations of the great yarns of all times. The entertaining, the astonishing, the bizarre. This we promise you on every broadcast of Favorite Story. Next week, a shotgun wedding. Uh, well, with a rope instead of a shotgun and the threat of death in a smoothly gloved hand. It's the Sire de Maltois d'Or. An unexpected romance between two young people in an embarrassing and extremely dangerous predicament. It's the favorite story of the distinguished American author and critic the editorial chairman of the Book of the Month Club and the Saturday Review of Literature, Mr. Henry Seidel Canby. We hope you'll be listening.
that was Rudyard Kipling's The Phantom Rickshaw featuring Ronald Coleman. It was a, it was short, but really, really well done. It's, it was, I, liked, uh, I like short little plays like that. Uh, very, very nice. Uh, Phantom Rickshaw, Rudyard Kipling. Have you noticed I can't say Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling very well? You'd think I, I would be able to, but I, I can't. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. Alas, that's it for this episode of Shot and Shield, the Shot and Shield Supercast. I would like to invite you to email me at shotandshield at gmail.com. Join me on Twitter at Shot and Shield, on Facebook in the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargame Group, or on YouTube, search out Shot and Shield. Like, share, subscribe, all that great stuff. Thank you very much. Remember, you can watch The Undefeated right now on YouTube, on the YouTube channel as well. I'd like to thank Edgar Pabon, one of the authors of Blood and Steel Victorian Age Combat from Firelock Games for joining me to tell us about Skirmish Game Con on March 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Jacksonville and Recon in Kissimmee on April 28th, 29th, and 30th. Uh, and you can get more information and tickets uh, to Skirmish Game Con at skirmishgamecon.com. Uh, lastly, I promised you a bonus episode this month, so please keep your eyes out. Uh-huh. I'll give you a little hint. I'll give you a, I'll get a, little, get a little taste, a little taste. It involves the war in South America in the 19th century. Oh, oh, oh what, what, what? Really good stuff. <laughs> You've been listening in to Barton, Australia, San Juan de Aznalfarareche in Spain, and Nuri, Northern Ireland. This has been the Shot Shield Supercast, a podcast dedicated to 19th century wargaming history, a program meant to be heard while you're painting your miniatures and building your terrain. I am your host, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida, and I'm out. This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity.